0: Welcome to Macros Made Easy, the podcast that takes the confusion out of tracking macros. I'm your host, Emily Field, a registered dietitian that specializes in a macros approach. In each episode, I help you learn how to eat in a way that supports your health, body composition, and athletic performance goals. We'll cover the basics of macronutrients, how to track for various goals, the role of macros in your health, and how to make sustainable changes to your habits. I've helped hundreds of people experience more food freedom and flexibility while navigating their nutrition. So, whether you've tried macros and it just didn't stick, or you just heard the word macros yesterday, I can't wait to help you too. Welcome to episode seven of the Macros Made Easy podcast. Today, we're diving into a topic that many of us can relate to overeating our macros. We've all had those moments when we indulge a little bit too much, whether that's a hearty meal, a delicious dessert, or a late night snack that turns into a feast. But have you ever wondered what happens to your body when you overeat? In this episode, we're going to explore the potential consequences of overeating your macros, but also take a closer look at the different factors that come into play from digestion to macronutrient composition to activity levels and absorption. Overeating can have both short term and long term effects on our health. Consuming an excess of calories can lead to weight gain, which in turn increases the risk of developing various health conditions such as obesity diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, and more. But it's not just about the calories alone. The composition of those calories, whether it's protein, carbs, or fat, can have specific implications on how our bodies process and store those excess calories. In our food culture, with the hyperpalatable, highly accessible food, it's extremely easy to overeat. But I want you to be able to walk away from this episode breathing a bit of a sigh of relief because. There are several factors that hinder our body's ability to store those extra calories as fat. In other words, it might not be as easy as you think. Understanding the intricate mechanisms at play can empower us to make more informed choices about our eating habits, and maybe it might help us hack the system a little bit. So, let's explore how digestion accounts for a portion of the calories we burn the role of each macronutrient in our bodies, and how our activity levels and absorption come into play when it comes to overeating. By the end of this episode, you'll have a deeper understanding of the impact of overeating on your body and know what to do to prevent some of those negative consequences to overeating. Success with tracking macros starts with actually trusting that your macro targets are right for you. As the original macro experts, registered dietitians have years of professional experience to pull from when they provide protein, fat, and carbohydrate goals. No more second guessing those macro numbers or being confused by online calculators. With me and my team, it's all about personalization, precision, and proven results. Here's how a custom macro calculation works. After purchasing the service, you'll fill out a detailed health assessment sharing juicy details about your personal health situation that could influence your nutritional needs. You'll have the opportunity to tell us about your health history, typical workout routine, food preferences, what's been working or not working to accomplish your goals. After submission, we will pour over what you've shared and draft your protein, fat, and carbohydrate targets, calorie goals, and bigger picture health recommendations that we think might make a difference for you. We'll also tell you exactly how we arrived at your macro target so you understand the why behind the numbers. Then, in about 7 to 10 business days, you'll get a lengthy email with all of this included that you can digest and refer to as much as you need. Look, your macro targets are supposed to be as unique as you, so why settle for an impersonal nutrition calculator? Purchase a custom macro calculation from me, Emily Field, and my dietitian team today and get personalized to you macro targets that you can trust, ones you can start seeing results with right away go to emilyfieldrd.com slash cmc or click the link in the show notes of this episode. All right, so let's talk about what happens in your body when you overeat your macros. When you overeat, your body receives an excess of calories that it needs to process and store for later use. And this is a really good thing. We don't have, as humans, the need for an IV drip of calories all day long we can go long periods of time without eating. So our body has an ability to store those extra calories, that extra energy for later use. So we can feel energized between our meals. We can keep up our body processes while we sleep. We can accidentally skip meals. We can go long periods of time without meals because our body has an ability to store energy and then tap into that energy later. So initially, the surplus of calories can contribute to fat gain because the body's primary mechanism is to store excess energy as fat. However, it's important to note that overeating doesn't solely result in fat gain. And I think this is a really important distinction because many of you might think that if I overeat my macro goals, if I eat over my calorie prescription, anything eaten over that just automatically gets stored as fat. And that can be a really problematic thing to think about if your goals are to lose weight. You think you're constantly battling against your body in a, you know, kind of a math equation. That's not how it works. Various physiological changes occur in your body when you overeat and that can affect how many calories are actually stored as fat. So let's talk about that. The way your body stores excess calories is influenced by several factors, including digestion, macronutrient composition of your meals, your activity level, and absorption along the GI tract. So let's take digestion, for example. The process of digestion breaks down the food that you consume into smaller components that can be absorbed by the body. This process requires energy, and the different macronutrients require varying amounts of energy for digestion. So protein, for example, has a higher demand for energy, has a higher thermic effect of food. We call this TEF compared to carbs and fats. This means that a portion of the calories from protein is expended during digestion and that reduces the overall net calories that become available for storage as fat. Proteins are interesting. They have the highest thermogenic effect, the highest TEF, and they can also promote satiety, which may help you regulate your food intake in your future meals. Additionally, protein is essential for muscle maintenance and for growth. Adequate protein intake in conjunction with resistance training can help preserve muscle mass during weight loss, and that's important for maintaining a higher metabolic rate. The macronutrient composition of your diet plays a critical role in how excess calories are stored. So if you're overeating on carbs, fats, or protein, it's definitely going to influence your metabolism, your hormones, and your ability to store those excess calories as fat or not. Let's talk about carbs first. Carbs, particularly those simple sugars and refined carbohydrates, can stimulate the release of insulin, which is a hormone that promotes the storage of glucose as fat. So when we eat carbohydrates, they are broken down into glucose. And in the absence of physical activity, especially, we have a rise in that insulin hormone and a big proportion of those carbohydrates are going to be stored as fat. All right. Dietary fats, on the other hand, are very easily stored as body fat because they have high energy density, meaning there are more calories per gram in a fat than there are in a protein or carbohydrate. Just sheer amount of energy contained in one gram is higher in fat compared to carbohydrates and proteins. However, the type of fat seems to also matter. If you have a diet high in unhealthy fats, such as trans fats and saturated fats, that can promote fat storage and contribute to weight gain maybe more readily than consuming healthy fats, such as those monounsaturated or polyunsaturated fats which can have a more favorable effect on fat metabolism and may even increase your ability to burn fat. So again, the composition of your diet as a whole matters when it comes to if you're overeating, your readiness to store those extra calories as fat. Okay, let's lastly talk about protein. Protein has the highest thermogenic effect, and it can also promote satiety and fullness, which can help you regulate your food intake in that meal and in your future meals. So if you're fuller, you're probably not going to reach for more food. You're going to stay put a little bit longer, which helps prevent overeating and therefore fat storage. The other thing that protein does is that it's essential for muscle maintenance and growth. So if we have enough protein in our diet and we are engaging in strength training, then we can preserve muscle mass. We can gain muscle mass, which is a direct contributor to our metabolic rate. Okay, So we're talking about a few factors here, but I want you to understand that the composition of your diet, the proteins, fats, and carbs in your diet absolutely play a role in the readiness of your body to store excess calories as fat or to maybe more readily use those extra calories for energy. So again, maybe there's a time in your life where your eating habits were a bit out of balance and it felt like no matter what you did, It felt like you were gaining weight or gaining fat. It might have been because the composition of your diet was off. And in my experience when working with clients, we are largely promoting a higher protein diet. So naturally, the carbs and fats in your diet kind of come down. And that in and of itself can lead to hormonal and metabolic changes that are more favorable and prevent some of those excess calories because overeating is going to happen. And when it does happen, it doesn't readily turn to body fat. The next factor I want to talk about is your activity levels. Your activity levels and energy expenditure play a really big role in how your body stores excess calories. So if you're getting regular physical activity, that can help increase your overall energy expenditure. It promotes the calorie burning and reduces the likelihood of excess calories to be stored as body fat. We know that engaging in both aerobic exercises such as running or cycling or swimming, things like that and resistance training, such as weightlifting, can have a positive effect on our metabolism and body composition. So again, we're not necessarily talking about the process of excess calories in your one meal or your one day turning into body fat. We're talking about your diet as a whole and your habits as a whole, maybe contributing to a greater degree about whether or not those calories get turned into body fat or they're used as energy. Okay. The last factor we're going to talk about here, you know, that influences the way that excess calories are stored is absorption. The absorption of nutrients occurs primarily in the small intestines. However, not all calories consumed are fully absorbed by the body. And there's a lot of variation here. We have factors like the presence of dietary fiber. Whether or not you're on certain medications, maybe you have a gastrointestinal disorder, or maybe you've had some surgical intervention along the gut, that can certainly impact the body's ability to absorb nutrients and therefore potentially limiting fat storage. We're going to primarily talk about fiber in this podcast episode because that is what we have control over. The presence of dietary fiber, for instance, make it so that not all calories are digested and absorbed by the body and instead pass through the digestive system relatively intact. That is something that we do have control over, so we'll be focusing on that in this episode. So you may have heard that digestion impacts your overall calorie burn for the day or the overall calorie expenditure for the day, and that's true. Digestion accounts for approximately 10% of the total calories you burn in a day. So that's the process of digesting, metabolizing food. That all requires energy. And this energy expenditure is known as the thermic effect of food or TEF. So TEF refers to the number of calories your body uses to break down food, absorb nutrients, and store them for later use. But different macronutrients have varying TEF values. So on average, protein has the highest TEF. Around 20 to 35% of its calories, meaning 20 to 35% of the calories from protein, are burned during digestion and processing. Carbohydrates have a TEF of about 5 to 10%, while fats have the lowest TEF, ranging from about 0 to 3%. So, considering these values, it's estimated that digestion accounts for a total of about 10% of the total calories burned in a day. However, it's important to note that this percentage obviously can vary depending on the composition of your whole diet, your meal size, and your individual metabolic rate. So practically speaking, what this means is if you overeat your needs on a whole day or maybe have a large meal, a portion of those calories will go towards digesting and absorbing the nutrients. So not all the calories that you eat over your needs will automatically go towards fat storage. And what we also know is that the composition of that meal or the composition of your diet matters a lot. So if you're overeating on protein, maybe an even bigger portion will go towards digestion and absorption as compared to an excess of carbs and fats, okay? So we've just talked about how digestion plays a role in your overall calorie expenditure for the day. And you threw out the number 10%. Now, you may not have any context for this, but I'm going to share that while digestion does play a role there, it's worth noting that the majority of the calories you burn per day are attributed to your basal metabolic rate or your BMR. The energy required for your basic bodily functions at rest and your physical activity contribute a large, a much larger proportion of the calories you burn every single day. So we can Typically say that BMR accounts for like 60 to 75% of your total energy expenditure and physical activity can contribute 15 to 30% or more, you know, kind of depending on how active you are. So while digestion does contribute to some calorie expenditure every day, it's a relatively small portion to the overall energy balance. To achieve weight loss or weight management goals, we're probably going to want to put more focus into that macro balanced healthy diet made of real whole foods, because we've already discussed that having a diet higher in protein, maybe a little bit lower in fats and carbs is going to contribute a bit more to the thermic effect of food, but also is going to promote certain hormonal and metabolic changes that make it less likely that your body will store excess calories as fat. Remember, overeating in the context of this podcast is absolutely normal. You are going to overeat your calories and your macro needs. But the likelihood of those extra calories going towards body fat gain or weight gain is just a lot less if we're having a well-balanced diet rich in protein. And second caveat, that we are physically active. When we are regularly active in physical activity, we are going to see some hormonal and metabolic changes that make it less likely that those excess calories are turned to body fat, okay? So we're not gonna rely solely on the thermic effect of food. It's not a big contributor to burning calories, but it's important to mention that the more you eat, The higher that thermic effect of food is, you know, you are going to burn a few more calories per day. Not all of those excess calories when you overeat are going towards body fat. Some are going to be burned in the simple digestion and absorption of that meal. Let's talk about the impact of macronutrient composition, like the P, F, and C of your diet and how that can impact your body's ability and readiness to store Fat. We'll start with protein. We know that protein serves several important functions in the body, includes repairing, building, and regenerating cells. When you consume protein, your body breaks it down into amino acids, which are then used for various purposes throughout the body. It's important to note that protein is primarily utilized for those functions, and it's not directly converted into body fat under normal circumstances. And this is important. You can basically think about it like, a prized possession. It is gold jewels to the body. There's plenty of uses for protein. And so we're probably not going to readily store it as body fat. Protein is the primary building block for tissues such as muscles, organs, skin, and hair. So when you consume protein, the amino acids derived from it are used to repair damaged tissues supports the growth and maintenance of healthy tissues. And this process is particularly important during periods of growth and recovery from injury or when you are engaging in physical exercise that stimulates muscle protein synthesis. So you can kind of think about it like if you are active and if you are regularly engaging in strength training, resistance training, something that is really dam is damaging your muscles and therefore you need to repair and build on them, you're going to need adequate protein in order to do that. So if your diet has an excess of energy and excess of calories, but those excess calories are protein rich, you have a diet that's high in protein, a lot of those calories will go towards repair and it probably will not go towards a ton of fat storage. We've already talked about this, but we know that protein has the highest thermic effect, meaning that the digestion and the processing of protein requires more energy compared to carbs and fats. And as a result, a portion of the calories obtained from protein is used for digestion, absorption, and metabolism rather than being stored as body fat. So this higher thermic effect contributes to an overall increased calorie expenditure during the day and in turn, might have a beneficial impact on your overall energy balance and your body's ability to maintain a healthy weight. Protein has also been shown to promote feelings of fullness and satiety more effectively than carbs and fats. So by consuming an adequate amount of protein, you can help control your appetite and reduce the likelihood of cravings. This, in turn, can reduce the likelihood of overeating. So we might be able to say that a diet higher in protein or meals higher in protein have an indirect effect on your overall calorie intake and might be able to help you control your weight or your ideal body composition because it's helping you prevent excessive calorie consumption, so overeating your needs on a regular basis. Lastly, I'll note that while it is possible that excessive protein intake or excess protein in the diet can be converted into body fat, under certain circumstances, it's really not that common. The process of converting protein into fat is known as de novo lipogenesis, and it's relatively inefficient. It's pretty inefficient in humans overall. The body has a preference for using protein for a lot of other essential functions and excess protein is typically excreted or used for energy rather than being stored as fat. So what I'm saying here about the macronutrient composition and that meal composition impact on fat storage is that if you are in a position to overeat, it's probably best to do it with Protein foods. If you are in a position that you are going to overeat, I want you to fill your plate with protein-rich foods because the likelihood of those excess calories going towards fat storage are pretty minimum. It's probably not going to happen very readily. We know that we're going to increase our metabolic rate because our digestion is going to increase. We're going to have more satiety and probably less craving, so maybe you'll be fuller longer and prevent overeating in a future meal. And we know that if you are physically active, a lot of those amino acids are going to go straight towards building and repair. So we have a ton of uses for that protein. It's not likely that those excess calories are going to be stored as body fat. Next, let's talk about carbohydrates. Carbohydrates play a critical role in providing the body with energy. So when we consume carbs, they're broken down into glucose, which is either used immediately for energy or stored for later use. The body has pretty limited capacity to store glucose and that's primarily happening in the liver and the muscles in the form of glycogen. Carbohydrates are predominantly stored as glycogen and it takes several days of overeating them for it to be converted to body fat. All right, so we're having a carbohydrate-rich meal. Your body breaks down that carbohydrate into glucose molecules, and those are transported to the liver and the muscles, and they're converted into glycogen. The liver stores glycogen primarily to help maintain your blood sugar levels, your blood glucose levels, and provide energy to all your other organs that require energy. You don't think about all this going on when we're just living, but all of your organs, your heart, your stomach, your small intestines, your large intestines, your brain, all need that stored glucose in the form of glycogen in order to be working all day long and all night long. So that's your liver. The muscles store glycogen to fuel your physical activity and to support muscle contraction. So if you think about it, it's everything from moving your fingers to type to reaching for something in the fridge to getting in and out of your car, like every single muscle contraction. You know, maintaining your posture, (laughs) like every single thing requires uh, glucose. And that's from that stored glycogen in your muscles. All right. When your body needs energy, it's first going to turn to that stored glycogen during exercise or periods of fasting. The glycogen in the muscles is broken down back into glucose and utilized as fuel. Similarly, the liver releases glucose from its glycogen stores to help maintain blood sugar levels between meals or during your overnight sleeping period, your fasting. So all very important functions. The amount of glycogen that can be stored in the liver and the muscles is relatively limited. So the liver can approximately store about 100 to 120 grams of glycogen while the muscles can store around 300 to 400 grams. And once these glycogen stores are filled, any excess glucose from carbohydrates that you're eating is more likely to be converted into body fat. Okay, So when those glycogen stores in the liver and muscles are saturated, any excess glucose that you're eating is converted into fatty acids. And those fatty acids are packaged into triglycerides and stored as body fat. However, the conversion of carbohydrates into body fat is a relatively slow and inefficient process in humans. It takes several days of consistently overeating carbs and having fully replenished glycogen stores before significant conversion into body fat occurs. So what this means is it's not after a day. It's not after a day, especially if you're a physically active person. It's going to take several days of overeating your carbohydrate needs and probably being Fairly sedentary for you to cap out on those glycogen stores. Okay, so let's summarize. We're talking about the macronutrient composition of your diet and that relationship to fat storage. Carbohydrates, we know, are predominantly stored as glycogen in the liver and muscles. It takes several days of overeating carbs, leading to fully replenished glycogen stores before the excess glucose is converted into body fat. You would have to maintain a calorie surplus over an extended period of time for significant fat storage to occur. So if you are interested in managing your weight and your body composition effectively, you're probably going to consider your overall energy balance for the day. That's your macronutrient prescription, let's say. The dietary composition. So the macronutrient composition of your meals obviously plays a role here and your physical activity levels. So I think you can kind of see how all of this plays together. They are not siloed concepts that we need to worry about in isolation. All of these things are working together in order to help you be more likely to store fat or burn fat. Okay, we're lastly going to talk about dietary fat. Dietary fat is chemically similar to the molecules stored in body fat cells, which contributes to the body's preference to store it as body fat. So what I mean is it looks like body fat, so it's primarily stored like body fat. Dietary fats are also known as triglycerides, and they are composed of three fatty acid molecules and they're attached to a glycerol backbone, taking you way back to chemistry biochemistry. This molecular structure is really similar to the triglycerides stored in body fat cells. So when you consume dietary fat, it's broken down into fatty acids and glycerol during digestion. Now, fat is an extremely efficient form of energy storage in the body. It provides more than twice the amount of energy per gram compared to carbs and proteins. So due to its chemical similarity to stored body fat, the body prefers to convert dietary fat into triglycerides and store it in adipose tissue, which is your body fat cells. We have hundreds of thousands of calories stored in our body as body fat. That is a good thing. Evolutionarily, this is a really, really good thing. We have a very tiny cell that has a ton of energy that we can use when we need it. When food stores are low, when energy is low, we can survive. Okay, That is a really good thing. So while dietary fat has the highest propensity to be stored as body fat, it's important to consider the overall energy balance. So if you're consuming an excess of calories from any source, whether that's fat, carbs, or protein, it can lead to weight gain and increased body fat storage. It's the calorie surplus that ultimately determines the amount of fat stored in the body, regardless of the macronutrient composition. But we do have a little bit of control about, you know, how much of those excess calories get stored as body fat, you know, when we talked about fat versus protein versus carbs. If you've ever wondered how many calories and macros it takes to reach your health, body composition, and athletic performance goals, you're probably gonna wanna download my DIY macros guide. Not only will we walk you through setting your protein, fat, and carbohydrate gram targets, but they will feel easy to hit because it's completely personalized. You'll answer nuanced questions about the type of activity that you do, your food preferences, the type of job that you have, and more. In addition to your personalized macro prescription, You'll learn how to set your calories in a deficit if you want to, and how much of that deficit you should be in. You'll learn things to consider when setting your carbohydrate and fat targets. So again, they feel easy to hit and natural. You'll get a list of protein, fat, and carbohydrate rich foods, along with a portion size guide to help you eyeball what certain macro amounts look like. You'll also receive an easy to understand rundown on metabolism, what it means, why you should care, how your macro targets relate to your metabolism, and some tips to improve it. We'll lastly throw in two sample meal plans so you can see how those macros look in a daily menu. To download the free guide, go to my website at emilyfieldrd.com slash macros guide. So we're talking about The impact of overeating and what happens in your body when we overeat. One thing that happens when we eat over our needs is that we tend to burn more calories overall. When you overeat, your activity levels can absolutely be influenced through a few ways. The first way is that, you know, your energy expenditure when you overeat is just simply higher because of digestion and absorption. We've talked about this already diet-induced thermogenesis or the thermic effect of food, that's essentially the energy required to digest, absorb, and process those nutrients is slightly increased when we overeat. Okay, so not all the calories that we overeat will be automatically stored as body fat. Some will be burned in the simple processing of that meal. Next is postprandial physical activity. Postprandial physical activity is the movement or activity that occurs after a meal. And some individuals may experience like a natural inclination to move more spontaneously or subconsciously after overeating. So that's like fidgeting or restless movements or the get up and go kind of drive that happens after overeating. And some people are just a little bit more inclined to do that than others. There seem to be some genetic differences there, but overall, we can say that not all calories that you overeat on will directly go to stored body fat because some will be burned in that postprandial physical activity phenomenon. Another piece here is the spontaneous physical activity and non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT. NEAT can vary a lot among individuals, but some people naturally exhibit higher levels of that spontaneous physical activity even without consciously intending to do so. This includes activities like pacing, tapping your feet, engaging in household chores, getting up and moving around your house, things like that. Turns out that spontaneous physical activity can contribute to an increased energy expenditure, energy burn, and can help you mitigate some of the effects of overeating just by burning additional calories during the day. The last thing I'll mention here is conscious activity and exercise. So We've talked about the spontaneous and subconscious movement that contributes to overall like increased energy expenditure after overeating. But let's say you overeat and you also are a physically active person. It turns out that you might have more energy for that weight training. You might have more gusto, more energy for that aerobic exercise. So in your regular workout, you might in turn burn more calories than you would if you were regularly fueled or... Underfueled for sure. I'm definitely not going to say that relying solely on the spontaneous or neat activity or the increased thermic effect of food is an effective way to compensate for excess calories consumed. Definitely not a sustainable or recommended approach. But if you are more physically active, your body has more ability to use those calories for something instead of sort as body fat. The other takeaway here is that when we eat more than what we need, we tend to burn more calories, okay? So when we eat more, we tend to burn more calories through all these various means, and that means that not every single calorie that you overeat is going towards body fat. I want you to relax a little bit about this and know that you're not doing your body a huge disservice. You're not going back on your goals. You're not undoing your progress if you are trying to lose fat just by having an occasional overeating circumstance. The last piece we'll talk about here is absorption. Did you know that not every single calorie that you eat is absorbed? Foods that are high in fiber, like grains, nuts, seeds, whole fruits and vegetables, they have a unique characteristic that allows them to pass through the digestive system without being completely broken down. And this is due to the presence of dietary fiber, which is a complex carbohydrate that cannot be digested by human enzymes. So therefore, a diet rich in fiber might prevent some of those excess calories going towards body fat storage. High fiber foods can indeed interfere with the absorption of fat in the digestive system and potentially lead to more fat being excreted in bowel movements. We have a couple of ways that this happens, number one being bile acids. So bile acids are produced by the liver and stored in the gallbladder. They play a crucial role in the digestion and absorption of dietary fats. Fiber-rich foods, particularly soluble fiber, has the ability to bind to bile acids in the small intestines, and this binding prevents or reduces the reabsorption of bile acids back into the body when soluble fiber binds to bile acids, it forms insoluble complexes that cannot be absorbed by the intestinal cells. These complexes, along with the attached bile acids, pass through the digestive system and are excreted in bowel movements. So as the fiber-bound bile acids are excreted, the body supply of bile acids becomes depleted. And so to compensate for this, the liver produces more bile acids from cholesterol. It's kind of like a a never-ending process. This increases the synthesis of bile acids requiring the utilization of cholesterol, ultimately leading to the reduction of circulating cholesterol. So that's a good thing. But with a decreased bile acid reabsorption and the increased bile acid synthesis, less fat is emulsified and absorbed in the small intestine. So consequently, a greater amount of dietary fat remains undigested and unabsorbed this unabsorbed fat is eliminated in the bowel movements, resulting in increased fecal fat excretion. And we know, <laughs> we've talked about before, that fat is the most calorie-dense macronutrient. It provides nine calories per gram compared to carbohydrates and proteins, which provide four calories per gram. So when dietary fat is not efficiently absorbed, there's potential to reduce the overall calories absorbed by the body from your food. Definitely not saying that high fiber foods cancel out dietary fat. However, does seem to be a a relationship trying to paint a picture that if you have a diet that is rich in whole real foods and therefore high in fiber, there's a kind of a process that helps pull cholesterol, you know, in the making of those bile acids some of the dietary fat that you eat is excreted. So therefore, painting that picture that not every single calorie that you eat is absorbed. So therefore, perhaps when you overeat on a diet made of whole real foods, maybe it's not so bad. It doesn't automatically go towards fat storage. There are certainly a lot of individual differences in this absorption kind of umbrella. We briefly talked about how surgical interventions along the GI tract or you know, digestive issues, medication use can all impact the body's ability to digest and absorb food. I'm simply talking about the one and only thing that we have control over, which is the whole real foods in our diet, the amount of fiber in our diet. That is something that we do have control over. So if you are going to overeat, it may be in your best interest to overeat on fiber-rich whole real foods because not every single calorie that we eat gets absorbed and we may see an uptick in fecal fat excretion. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. We talked about overeating your macros and how it impacts our bodies. While it's clear that overeating your macros can have some consequences, it's equally important to understand the various factors that influence how our bodies store those excess calories. We discussed how digestion plays a role, accounting for approximately 10% of the total calories burned in a day, so the more you eat, the more you'll burn. We also explored how the size and composition of our meals can affect our metabolism with protein primarily being used for cell repair and regeneration, carbohydrates taking several days of overeating to be converted into body fat. We learned how dietary fat being chemically similar to the molecules stored in body fat cells becomes the preferred source for fat storage in the body. This means that if you are in a situation where you are faced with overeating or you are going to overeat, it may be in your best interest to lean into protein-rich foods over carbohydrates and fats. But we can't forget that activity levels definitely impact our body's ability to use and store fat. Some individuals exhibit spontaneous and subconscious movements when they overeat. So not all calories are going to be stored as body fat when we overeat. Some will be expended through that spontaneous or subconscious movement. Lastly, we touched upon the significant role that high fiber foods play in our digestive system. Not only do they promote regular bowel movements, but they can also interfere with the absorption of fat, leading to more fat being excreted in our bowel movements. Remember that not every single calorie that you eat gets absorbed. And so if you are in a position to overeat, it may be in your best interest to overeat on fiber rich, whole, real foods. Overeating your macros can have consequences, but I hope you're walking away from this episode feeling like Yeah, it's not as bad as I thought. (laughs) And I have some action steps that I can take if I want to mitigate the impact of overeating on my body composition or my weight management goals, right? It's not about the quantity of calories consumed, but also about the quality and composition of those calories. Understanding the intricate interplay between digestion, macronutrients, activity levels, and absorption can help us make more informed choices about our dietary habits. Thank you so much for listening to the Macros Made Easy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot of the one you're listening to right now to share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at EmilyFieldRD so that more people can find this podcast and learn how to use a macros approach in a stress-free way. If you love the podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. Remember, you can always find more free health and nutrition content on Instagram and on my website at EmilyFieldRD.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.